Welcome back to Newman on Tap Presents. I am Ron Snyder, your host of this podcast, interviewing guests reacting to sermons of St. John Henry Newman. This episode is a continuation of a discussion with Monsignor Jeffrey Stinson. Monsignor is a former Anglican bishop and now Catholic priest in the Archdiocese of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Here we'll, we will complete our discussion of an early Catholic-era sermon of St. John Henry Newman, The World and Sin. Enjoy. Well, let's kind of go on a little bit. And, you know, okay. he, he kind of continues with this state of sin as being demonical possession in the next part. And, and then he says in an interesting way, it's a spiritual problem. He says in 125 that sin is just a possession of the heart and the spirit. It, it is not that the body is afflicted, as in the state of the demonic. It is not that the reason is afflicted, as in the case of the madman. But it is that the spirit, the heart, the affection, the conscience, the will are in the power of an evil spirit who sways them about at his pleasure. How awful is this? I, I, I just tried to imagine sitting in the congregation that morning when he said that. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's so powerful, this language. Let's uh, move towards the end here, and now we're going to mm-hmm. see how the apostles are now approaching the state of the world in the church. And now they're going to be called to evangelize in that world. So now he's going to move into the kind of the apostolic life of the apostles and in us. So he's going to give us some direction in this section and what we're up against, basically. He says in line 135, he said, The world is full of wrangling and debate, and not unreasonably, because when the heart is wrong, the reason goes wrong too. And when men corrupt themselves and lead bad lives, then they do not see the truth, but have to hunt about after it, and this creates great confusion. He's describing, well, as we go on into this paragraph, all the religions in the world, all the uh, the different conflicting ideas that are all about there, and it all really ties in with one, line 136, uh, when the heart is wrong, the reason goes wrong too. And this is the state of the world. Yeah, and he uses the imagery of sudden drop, darkness coming upon the world and how yeah, everybody's blind. Yeah, because then he says, he, he goes on in 145, they fall out with each other, and one says this and one says that because they do not see. You know, they're in this darkness. And when man do not see, they begin to reason. And when men do not see, they begin to talk aloud. And when men do not see, they begin to quarrel. So he kind of goes on with this image of darkness, you know, that the, the heart has been darkened. Your only option is what your own powers are, you know, the powers of this world. And aren't we right there right now in our contemporary culture? This time that we're living in, all of this stuff is happening. I got a 25-year-old now, but I can go back 20 years when she came home from like first grade and... The, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were, were living as, with us for a couple months. And he would have Fox News or CNN on really loud when she got home from school because he couldn't hear as well. So she'd walk into the house and she walked in and greeted him. And she said, Papa, what, what is going on? These people, all they do is talk and nobody listens. 
And this is exactly what Newman's talking about. They yeah. begin to talk aloud. You know, all they can do is reason. It goes on, you know, to talk about this multiplication of of religions. Uh, line one fifty. Uh, there is no end of religions. There are new ones continually. Now, if one is true, the other is false. If the new is true, the old are false, and so on. It's just complete chaos. And then he concludes with. Thank God we, my brethren, know which one that is. That is the true religion which has been from the beginning and has always been the same. That was a wonderful way to sum that up, I thought. Monsignor, let's kind of wrap this up with these last couple paragraphs, because now he's moved into the church, you know, as we have this range of religions. You know, he wrote the great sermon, Religion of the Day, you know, in 1832, and so he's kind of talking about that now again. You know, here we are, you know, he's a Catholic priest now, and he's now seeing the same thing. He's re- restating these religions of the day. And he talks about how we are powerless, that we, we can resist this, but only with God. And that's how he's going to kind of move us to grace here. He says in line 160, he says, we Catholics, and especially we Catholic priests, have it in charge to resist, to overcome the evil, but we cannot do what we would. As a a Catholic priest, help us with that. The limitations of the priesthood, that grace is is paramount for our cures. You know, as a priest, when I read that, read that, I I see that as a caution that St. John Henry Newman now is making to us. He's giving us a caution that the sacramental work we knew that we do as as priest is not mechanical or automatic it requires the love and the whole of the faith we we clearly have to just be reminded of this every once in a while and the lay people too that that the catholic faith is not if you do this this and this then this will come about it, it doesn't work like that it's this all has to happen within a relationship of love with our lord and that's how i, I that's how i read this this paragraph. On 165, 164, he said, There is confusion of nations and perplexity. It is God's will that so it should be to show his power. He alone can heal the soul. He alone can expel the devil. And therefore, we must wait for a great deal till he comes down, till he comes down from his seat on high, his seat in glory, to aid us and deliver us. I think what he's telling us there is that while we're here, we're we're in a battle, and we're called to carry the cross with Christ, and we will suffer. That's the nature of um, that's the nature of the mission that we're on right now. We won't find that resolved until the second coming. Is that how you read it? Too absolutely. We walk with Christ in His incarnation, you know, and and that includes suffering so that's when we're most glorified yeah Yeah, i just as i you know when you read the lives of the saints that's one of the common themes that comes out in all all of their stories is um in that suffering they find they're they're being most faithful in doing the lord's work yeah and they find their true self yeah yeah, and let's end it here, because he, he on 176, he says, he finishes this same thought. He says, but all this will be set right in the world to come. So, he, again, he's going to reflect back on 
St. Peter in the Transfiguration. So he's coming full circle. He says that we shall have glorified bodies. We shall receive our bodies on the last day. And then 181, but the same indeed, but incorruptible spiritual bodies, which will be able to see and enjoy the presence of God in a way that it was beyond the three apostles in the days of their mortality. You know, that's when the, the evil malignant spirit will be sent packing at that point. Right. Well, then he ends with 188. He says, our security has no limit. It is not that we shall be promised a hundred years of peace or a thousand, but forever and ever shall be, mm-hmm. shall we be as we are. For our happiness and our peace will be founded in the infinite blessedness and peace of God, and He is eternal and happy. So shall we be. So shall we be. Praise God. Yeah, yeah praise God. Hey, Ron, I was. I wanted to, before we go. I wanted to point out in line one eighty something that that kind of jumped out at me. At the resurrection, we shall have put off flesh and blood, and receive our bodies at the last day. The same, indeed, but incorruptible spiritual bodies. That word, that expression, the same, indeed, do you even understand that to mean our actual bodies that we had in this world, but now transformed, but still the same bodies that we had in this world? In other words, I'll be able to recognize you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says we will be able to see. So it's kind of like it plays with you a little bit. Like, how can you see if you're in an immaterial world? Yeah. Um, but that there, there, there is some definite continuity between the body that we have in this world and the body that we will have in the world to come. Um, that strikes me. And, you know, as a, as a priest, I deal with this question often because modern people when they think about death and all that sort of thing, they've kind of, many people will buy into this thing that the, our, our earthly body is just, it's just compost for now. You can put it out in the field, let it, you know, go and be received into the rest of nature and all that sort of thing. And it just struck me that, you know, we're going to have to be better at teaching about Catholic funeral and burial practices because even our own people are losing this connection now between the body that we have here and the body that we'll have at the resurrection. Well, and it's a reflection of what is happening in the last, let's say, 50 years. It's this kind of break of the incarnation. You know, this, this body and spirit gets separated. And then if, as a society, if we look at these things, that our body is something that we can manipulate then we break with that. We break with that mm-hmm. spirit, that union that we find in Christ in the Incarnation. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Mm. I mean, he has his body, correct? I mean, he, yeah, he ascended exactly. with his body, and if we're going to be like Christ, then we, of course, would have our body. And when you think about, um, you know, the those visions of Christ appearing to the saints, um, his wounds are there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in his resurrected body, those wounds are still there. Yeah. Um, and they're real, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a merger. It's this incarnational piece that we all hope for. Yeah. 
Well, obviously, Newman didn't have to deal with this particular pastoral problem then, but these words I found very helpful. I've actually, I've had a chance to quote this to somebody recently. Um, Just that language, um, the bodies that we'll receive are the same indeed, but now incorruptible and spiritual bodies. So there, there is this this continuity between who we are now and what will we what we will become then. Um, it'll only be transformed and made perfect, if you will. You know. Yeah. If, if we're made in the image and likeness of God, why yeah. would that end? Yeah. Right. My yeah. Go ahead. Thought I oh. could share with you. It's just an encouragement to people. You know, when you go to mass. You might want to think about what Newman did here and and bring a Bible with so that when these scripture readings come at you, you can have a moment just to look at their look at their whole context in the chat in the chapter in which they come. Make sure that you understand that there this is all contextual. That's I think the number one lesson that I wrote down that I walked away from with this story is how how Newman is doing his scripture interpretation here. He didn't stop with what the reading of the day was. He kept going. This is the delight of reading his sermons. I'll read his passage because he always begins with some passage. And then I'll imagine for myself, you know, what what, would I do with this passage? What could I draw out? And it's Mm -hmm. so limited compared to someone like Newman or Origen or Augustine and these great thinkers. It's like, wow. And then you can read them for help. And then you, 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 you continue to grow. Well, Monsignor, this I has been a delight. Such a wonderful job with this, and what an what an incredible gift to the um, to the church now to bring these these matters forward like this. So, thank you. Well, you're welcome, and I hope to continue, and especially with guests like you. We can most certainly do this again. This is a, a, a real treat. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Monsignor. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah.